Ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I'm part of the click, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes! 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 I, I got an idea, yeah. Peter John Cena! Give me a hell yeah! Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Too sweet! episode is scheduled for one fall, and it is for your listening pleasure. This is In The Click. What's up, everybody? Baby Huey here, and joining me once again is my good brother from the Bullet Cast. It's Philip. How's it going, man? Huey, I'm doing great. I, I sound different because I got a new microphone. also got something else. What's that? There we go. Oh, there we nice, go. Nice. Yeah, I'm not the bullet cast champion, but I'm the king. I'm the new king of extreme. RIP to the homie New Jack. Yeah, so you're holding right now for everyone listening uh, on the audio version of In the Click, which is all we do right now. Honestly, I still want to do video. I got to do video version of In the Click. I think that's the next phase of this podcast. Uh, we'll get to that eventually. But yeah, right now, Philip, on your shoulder, it looks like a new strap that's in your collection now. It's the ECW Championship. Yeah, it's the silver ECW title. So the WWE era. Yeah, man, it's it's an underrated championship. You know, I, I I always loved it. I mean, this is the title that Ezekiel Jackson held. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I should <laughs> Matt I should, Hardy, Matt Hardy, Christian. You know, like it's the it's it's one of the titles I grew up with. You know, like I know people of like your generation and older, like they just like they don't like the spinner, but I grew up <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? I grew up with the with the silver ECW title. I thought it was clean. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Okay. So that title right there, that design, if. Please remind me, you know, it's there's a lot of wrestling. I try to keep track of history wise. Um, okay, the ECW championship under the WWE umbrella when they officially owned it and relaunched it. The one Bobby Lashley had that that was first, right? That title design. Yeah. When they first brought it back, that title design was first. Yes. And then and uh, I, Mark Henry was the last person to hold it because then they brought in the silver and then Matt Hardy got it, and you okay. know, Jack Swagger and Christian. Tommy Dreamer had it at one point. Christian got it back, and then Ezekiel Jackson was the last ever ECW champion. Okay, so the silver one was the second design. Okay, because I, I like the – okay, when WWE brought back ECW, I liked um, that title design that they had because that was the one even Rob Van Dam – got right at one night stand if i remember correctly or had yeah 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 that, that's it i like that one that was kind of more or less a replica of the one from the 90s if i remember correctly i, I don't know if the image is right in front of me to compare there to. were there were a couple variations yeah. of the ecw title and it's in its entirety yeah 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 i remember um i mean i still remember when shane douglas did you ever see that footage i mean i know it was before you were born but 
when ECW first started, um, it was uh, oh Eastern Eastern Championship Wrestling. At, actually, sidebar uh, at Starcast, I got to hold that title. The very, the very first ECW championship. Okay, so you remember or you see the footage of when Shane Douglas was the last Eastern Championship Wrestling champion. And then, you know, whatever happened in the history of it all, he threw that title away or threw it on the, in the on the mat. That was the NWA title. It was it that one? Okay, and then yeah. he, he yeah, announced. Then he ushered in the ECW title, yeah. And said Extreme Championship Wrestling, and that's how it was ultimately born and stuff. But there's more to it in the history uh, I think it was at the rise and fall of ECW. That's actually one of the best, to this day, I think one of the best documentaries WWE ever put out. And that one really tells the whole story about what was going on. And, uh, yeah, no, it's very fascinating stuff, man. So, no, it's very cool. You got that championship now. So, uh, how many titles is that for you now in your collection? Um, well, the Bullet Cast title, <laughs> the other Bullet Cast title, the first Bullet Cast title, Brandon, he has the second one. Uh, I have the NWA title, so that's four. I have the ECW title. I have another championship in there that uh, that isn't on display, so that's about six. Nice. I need to get one. I, I, I've been thinking about that. Like maybe I need like an actual legit nice we, big we professional. Need, we need championship. to click one, man. We need to click one. I'm thinking about that. Maybe something like that that's for fun, for show, and you know, for visual and social media, all that stuff. So I'll, I'll think about that one. That's something I will look into. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode in the click. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, as always, please remember subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Email us. In the click at gmail.com follow us at in the click and get the merch as well so much to get into it's literally a busy week in pro wrestling just because i mean just outside of the regular tv shows this week but breaking news and we got a pay-per-view tomorrow wrestlemania backlash is going on so much to talk about but uh unfortunately let's do some uh, clickbait news and some sad news came out yesterday afternoon it was reported ECW original, ECW legend, New Jack passed away at the age of 58 years old. And uh, I mean, just news of it spread very quickly on social media and all the wrestling outlets per, uh, were uh, uh, reporting on it. Even they made the CNN, which I was shocked by that. But uh, uh, Jerome Young, uh, better known as New Jack, passed away at the age of 58. His wife confirmed on Facebook and uh, she said, he uh, passed away, unfortunately, from a heart attack. And man, I, yeah, of course, I'm very sad. Someone that I grew up watching on TV, and when I used to watch ECW back in the '90s, he was one of the the legends from that promotion, from that whole era. And uh, no, it's very sad to hear. But at the same time, man, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I did not realize he was that old. I thought he was a little bit younger. I mean, if you think about it, he was 58 30 years ago when he was probably when Smoky Mountain Wrestling, the early 90s. Um, he was already in his late 20s by that point. I just thought I, I thought I didn't realize he was that much old, that older. But anyway. Uh, no, very shocked and very sad, but no, he definitely lived the life to the fullest. But yeah, Philip, what were your thoughts when, uh, he passed away? Oh man, I was at, I was at wrestling practice and my, my buddy texts me, he's like, New Jack died. I'm like, nah, you're effing lying. Don't play with me. And then I check and I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, New Jack, he became relevant again, obviously with Dark Side of the Ring last mm-hmm. year and he had become, uh, 
active on social media. He would respond to people. He'd just chop it up with people, you know? And his wife said that he had a real uh, admiration and respect and love for his fans. And, well, that, that that's great to hear because, you know, New Jack's one of those dudes that didn't give an F. I mean, obviously, <laughs> he's famous for, what, the mass transit incident. Yeah. Obviously, back in uh, – that's 25 years ago this year man. coming up, man, in, in November. That's all. That's crazy. I mean, like – the. Uh, the Vic Grimes thing where he uh, they both fall in ECW and his brain matter spills. That's the first time I ever saw New Jack was that that clip. <laughs> and, and obviously the Smoky Mountain promo where he says he wants to uh, send out a message to OJ Simpson. Two down, a, a lot more to go. Thank you, brother. And I'm like, yo, this dude is wild. This dude is really wild. Yeah. No, I remember, you know, watching ECW pay-per-views back in the day and – you know, his style, he's more just a brawler, just go out there and beat your ass. He wasn't like no super technical wrestler or anything. Like, so his matches were not like these great, uh, you know, six star wrestling matches. They were just brawls. And you always felt bad for whoever he was going to fight because you know that person was going to take an ass beating. And, you know, he was very, very much like later in his career, he was like the king of like the run ins. Like, uh, if someone needed a help, needed help or a save, he would make the big run in and save, make a save the day, the big hero. Uh, but you know, he came out, he was always the king of like flying off like the second balcony, second floor down to the ground. And yeah, shout um, out to, uh, Richard pro wrestling one-on-one. He put on Instagram, he sh- a clip of new Jack flying in somewhere. And he's like, wherever new Jack is, this is how he's entering. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, when I record with Richard tomorrow, I definitely want to hear Richard's you know, thoughts on New Jack as well. I mean, this is someone that we all grew up with. I think if you were, I mean, if you were a kid in the 90s watching ECW or, you know, someone maybe a little bit younger, but you went back and watched stuff. I mean, New Jack has crossed multiple generations in pro wrestling, and that's very cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the violent hardcore matches in ECW, um, his time at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which I didn't know too much about, but kudos to the guys in Dark Side Wrestling. That, that, that's something, if you want to learn more about New Jack and his persona, go back and watch that episode from last season. It's on Hulu or you can go to Vice TV's website. Uh, I'm really happy that he was able to document his story and, before he passed, he was able to sit in front of a camera and tell his story, tell about, talk about his career. And so, you know, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but his words and, you know, his, his, what he, his, his time on Dark Side of the Ring, that footage will live on forever. So, you know, if you're a fan of him, want to learn about his history, watch that. But at the same time, he has so many shoot interviews on YouTube as well. So you can look up stuff like that. Those are more entertaining than some of the matches, bro. Oh, absolutely. Just wild. And I mean, like, he got the name New Jack from New Jack City because he env- he envisioned that the crowd chanting that when he came to the ring. And, hey, that that was the case. And the Natural Born Killers theme, uh, that's that's Dre and uh, and Cube. You know, Paul didn't pay for the rights. Go check out uh, Paul Heyman's tribute to him that, that they posted on WWE, uh, the YouTube channel. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, man. Like once you heard those notes, like the, that song became kind of iconic because of new Jack, like once you heard those notes, you're like, awesome. It's like when Austin, it's kind of like when the glass broke, you mm-hmm. know, 
just on a smaller scale. Like when you heard th- those first couple notes, you're like, oh, man, some issues about to go down. Yeah. Like I said, he would make the save like, you know, someone's getting beat down the ring and, you know, hear those notes like, oh, here he comes. And, you know, he would just make these sporadic appearances. And no, it was a big deal. It was very he was very fun to watch, entertaining. Um, and of course, our thoughts are with his family and friends at this time. It's a difficult situation. But, uh, you know, like I said, he was a big party. He was very open about just his partying ways. And I think he was still very much partying. Um, Steven Larson uh, from Going In Raw, one of my favorite uh, pro wrestling podcasts, uh, like a couple weeks ago, they got a, a fan of theirs or a friend of theirs sent them a cameo of New Jack. So New Jack, like a couple weeks ago, just started doing cameos. And uh, he did one for Steven Larson. They just posted on social media this morning. But he's doing a cameo for them. And he says, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm high on uh, E right now. So, like, he's still partying to his day. So, like, you know, I mean, you know, live your life how you want to, man. Party it up. But it it was just, you know, it's it's sad that he's gone now. Um and it was cool. Even WWE acknowledged him on, on Twitter. They tweeted out, like, you know, we're saddened to learn of his passing. Even though he never really, he never made it to WWE. Like, you know, once ECW uh, got bought out by WWE, then I think he went over to XPW after that in the early 2000s. Yeah, and, that's where the uh, the scaffolding match happened with Vic Grimes where he tried to kill him. Yeah, so that, man, there, there's so much to talk about with New Jack. And, you know, if you go online, wrestling, you know, Twitter, you see everyone just uh, showing their support and their favorite moments, telling stories. And it sounds like he had a lot of cool friends in the business as well. So, uh, like I said, rest in peace to New Jack. Thank you for all the memories in pro wrestling. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, catch the next episode of In the Click. I'll, I'll get Richard's thoughts on it as well. So, uh, let's see. One other thing I want to talk about real quick before we talk about this week's episode of Dynamite. Um, looks like there's some rumors of some drama, uh, in the higher powers that be that run AEW. Um, I know Philip, you and I are talking a little bit off the air about this and uh this is something i kind of heard you know just through the grapevine you see it on social media and some websites kind of talking about recently but now it's starting to kind of get some steam now so the big report is uh that there's apparently smoke to the rumors of heat between some of the executive vice presidents in all elite wrestling and why is this so important well obviously multiple reasons and we'll get into that in a second but uh, uh this is starting to get some attention because apparently a big name is hesitant about going to aew because of the infighting amongst the evps and so uh, i'm gonna go read uh, a little bit of this article here it's from wrestlingnews.co uh so there have been rumblings on social media for over a year that some evps are no longer on speaking terms and in case you're wondering the evps in aew are cody rhodes the young bucks and kenny omega and during a recent discussion about the aew product way keller and jason powell way keller isn't that brandon's favorite uh favorite guy yeah, that's that's his boy. Okay, all right. So uh, you should tell this to Brandon as well. Uh, so they confirmed that there are some issues among some of the EVPs, and Powell said that someone who would be quote a difference maker for AEW has been hesitant about signing with them because this person has heard the same rumors. Um, 
Let's see here. There's a couple quotes here. I'll just power through this real quick. So Keller said, quote, there's going to be there's going to there's going to a book written. I think it's meant to say there's going to be a book written someday by some of the EVPs or someone else closely observing. And we're going to learn about a lot of dysfunction. We're going to learn what a very short honeymoon period there was between certain key people in the company who aren't even talking to others anymore whoever man this is kind of whoever worded this i think we're gonna find that out i think there are people in other wrestling companies saying the bucks and cody and kenny it's not gonna be long at all before they want to have nothing to do with each other the honeymoon period is gonna be short it seems like it is it seems like there's some disengagement and people going off into their own that is showing up in certain ways end of quote and then pal said if that is not happening, they need to clear up that misconception. I do think it's happening. He continued, there is a would-be difference maker who could go there that has the opinion that there's all this infighting, and this person, for that reason, is hesitant to go there. Powell did not say who this person is, but there are a couple of ex-WWE names available that could sign with them. The two big names that are available are Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan. So... Wow, a lot to unpack right there. So, Philip, a couple things. So, we'll, well, first things first. Your thoughts on these rumors that the EVPs of AEW are, some of them are not on speaking terms right now. And so, like I said, that includes Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. Just kind of your thoughts. Like This is all speculation. Nothing's confirmed. Even the Young Bucks were poking fun of it. They put a, uh, they've been updating their link in their bio on Twitter every day. Today, they put uh, not on speaking terms, I guess, acknowledging all these dirt sheets reporting about it. But yeah, your thoughts on potentially rumors that there, there's some uh, fighting amongst the EVPs. Uh, well, I just learned about this literally before we started recording. Like, <laughs> I mean, or, uh, apparently, it's been going on for like a year. I'm like, what? Like, I, mm-hmm. I had never... I heard nothing about this. Like I keep my, I don't read the dirt sheets, but I keep my ear to them. I keep my <laughs> ear to the You feel me? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, man. They seem like a close knit group. I mean, if, if you're not going to talk to somebody, it should be Kenny Omega. Cause why would you want to talk to him? Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not backstage. Uh, I, I, so I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, like I said, this is the first time I've, I've heard of any of this, but it's uh it's, it's different that they, but if, I mean, if there's nothing really going on, they should they should uh they should address it. You know, like uh, what, what, what's that one song? You know, I'm tired of all these rumors. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Something well, like the, okay. So my thing is, like I said, these are rumors. Who knows who are the sources, and like who is spreading these rumors? I'm with you. I, I think AEW, those EVPs, they need to address it or at least come out about it. But then, Philip, let's look at the landscape of things right now in AEW, where which is leading to a lot of people to really kind of assume that these are true, hypothetically speaking. One, keep in mind, okay, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, they're in a program right now. I mean, they're part of a faction right now with Gallus and Anderson. So they're all doing their thing on TV. So it kind of looks like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are at least, you know, on screen together. On together. They're working together. So maybe their relationship's okay. You know what I mean? However, Cody Rhodes, he's on a whole separate storyline. He's not, he, he's doing his own thing. 
he doesn't cross pass at all with any of the other guys in the elite on dynamite. We don't yeah. see them. They don't acknowledge each other. They don't cross paths. Their storylines don't cross paths. It's like they're in two separate worlds. Well, yeah, because it's been like that for like a year now. Because, I mean, he wasn't even in the stadium stampede. Matt Hardy was in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so like Cody's been uh, dis- disabled from the elite for quite some time now. So Cody seems like to be doing his own thing on Dynamite for, for the last year. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, they've been doing their own separate thing. At least their paths have crossed, and now they're back together on the same page you know, as world champion, tag team, tag team champions, respectively. So it's very interesting, just that alone, that observation of watching Dynamite every week that you see, all right, you, it, it's interesting. Uh, and the other thing, too, I, I think, I don't watch Being the Elite regularly, but Cody Rhodes supposedly hasn't been on there in a long time, so that's another sign that, you know, if everything was cool, at least would he appear on Being Elite more often? I don't. I don't think it's that. I think just creative has nothing for him. <laughs> it was <just> WWE. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the other thing too is is for me that's a little heartbreaking here because as that article said, listen. AEW is coming up on what two and a half years at quote as a company because remember what's it January 2019 is when they kind of launched themselves so they're almost coming up on two and a half years in existence and it's kind of sad and scary that the higher powers that be there who are overseeing this company uh, at least from a creative standpoint I mean Tony Khan is definitely more the business side is they're already having tension with amongst each other. And that's, that's kind of scary because this is a, a, you know, still a fairly young company and they are quote, the biggest competition to WWE. And I, I do think with AEW existence, it, it's very important for the livelihood of pro wrestling in general, especially here in North America, because if AEW stays in power, stays in existence, that keeps the pro wrestling, you know, more jobs out there and then helps these other companies. I think quote exist the ones below them, like impact MLW NWA. Uh, uh, who else am I missing? Um, you know, all the smaller tier promotions, I think having a variety of pro wrestling promotions is very important for, for the, the business as a whole and for these wrestlers for having work. So I just worry that the fact that there is already like this drama, I don't want this to spill over and can kind of really affect AEW as a company as a whole and maybe, you know, screw up the, the, their own future with them, what, you know, for their existence. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you look at AEW. I mean, you look like we have Orange Cassidy, MJF is this. I think, you know, if. I think MJF would have been successful anyway because he's that mm-hmm. charismatic. You know, SCU they just got to have like a, a, a like a like a like, like a like a go home tour. You know, you know what I mean, like like yeah. like, a, like a last bang. And I mean, you look Sting's comeback. You know, Christian's going to be there full time. Paul White's doing something new. Jericho reinvented himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so AEW has brought a lot of positives to the wrestling industry. And like, where would a lot of these people be? Where would Britt Baker be? Possibly in NXT. Uh, mm-hmm. Thunder Rosa, NWA, Will Hobbs. Where would he be? Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. So you know, th- there are positives, but um, if there is tension or whatever, I'm like they're they're adults; they can work through it. You know, I like, hope so. Yeah, because at the end of the day, tension like within the inner circle doesn't that that's not what's best for business. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah, no, that's my thing, too, is, like I said, I think, you know, the honeymoon period is over where everyone, I think, was just happy that they got a new business now. They got a new promotion. Everyone's really excited for the future. That period is over with. And they've now been around long enough where it's like, okay, let's, you know, we got to focus on the day-to-day operation, what our long-term plans, how we're going to make sure we're a long-term success. We're going to stick around for a long time. And now they're also open to a lot of criticism from the fans. Like, okay, we kind of see how things have been going for a while now. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And so, like I said, I mean, you think about it, like, was it 2018, 2017, 2018, the elite and the bullet club, those guys, were, they, were the, they were the hottest act in wrestling. Exactly. And they all seemed like they were on the same page. They were one big family. They loved each other. And so now it sounds like those guys are all kind of like, you know, having issues with one another. That's kind of sad to hear that this one great faction in and out of the ring is now falling apart. But it's also, like I said, scary because they're running this this new promotion. So I don't know. I would love to learn more about this. Like, is it creative issues, creative differences? Are they having trouble balancing being a full-time wrestler, but also behind the scenes running the show and booking and coming with creative decisions? Like, I would love to know, like, what's this all stemming from? You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I'm sure we'll probably get more info over time. Maybe one of them will do shoot interview or something. I just, I don't want to see any of them leave. That That's what I'm worried about is, you know, could one of them maybe be so upset that they decide to leave AEW and then how that affect AEW long term. That's that's my my other concern. I mean, if that's the case, then I mean the only people that can truly leave are like Cody and Kenny. Yeah, because I mean the but like the one without the other buck just isn't going to draw money. Like I, I, it's not a knock to Matt and Nick. I love those guys. Two of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. But that's just the, the the truth, you know. You need they're a package deal. Now Cody, he he still has the legacy. Dusty's a god in NXT and WWE. He can go back there and win the world title. Kenny Omega, he could get the AJ treatment if he went to WWE. That's a that's a possibility. Hell, that probably would have happened if he had went there. You know, so yeah. I mean, so like we, th- those are the two logically from the elite uh, mm-hmm. that we know of can leave. And uh, hang, there's what about Hangman? I know yeah. he's not an EVP. But I mean, like it, he was a part of the elite. He was yeah. a big part of the elite. Like that guy could he could leave. Yeah, so, see, see, that's possible options. Th- then that's it. Just you saying that that makes me worried. Like if one or two of these EVPs get so upset and wants to leave, then will other guys on the roster follow them as well? And then will AEW really start crumbling? So, like I said, when I hear this news, it just makes me worry about the long term, the longevity of AEW as a whole. Um that's why, like I said, I'm really worried about this. It's like, okay, hopefully these guys can work out their issues, get back on the same page, and you know, just f- f- look at the bigger the bigger issues here. It's like this: we need to keep AEW around for just to, for the for like I said, for the good of the whole pro wrestling industry as a whole, especially here in the U.S. So we'll keep track of this and see. Maybe more info comes out, and uh, yeah, be kind of curious to see. What's next? But the fact that more outlets are reporting on it. Okay. So maybe there is a little smoke to this fire. So, um, all right. So let's, uh, one, uh, since we didn't have time to record last week, sorry about that. It's just been super busy at work for me personally. So much has been going on behind the scenes here, uh, home life and work wise. But, uh, uh, before we talk about this week's episode of Dynamite, Philip, I just do want to get your thoughts on last week's episode of Dynamite, which was Blood and Guts. Um, it was the inner circle. 
Bowl, taking on the Pinnacle in their version of War Games. The, for them, they call it Blood and Guts. They can't call it War Games since WWE owns the rights to that name now. Um, but yeah, now the main event itself, just your thoughts on maybe the show itself, but then the main event itself. Yeah, what'd you think of AEW's, uh, first go around of their version of War Games? Um, well, the show itself, it, so the, everything before the Blood and Guts match was pre-taped, yeah. which I found very interesting. And then, you know, of course, Blood and Guts was live. Because remember, we were talking about, like, it's, it's, it was advertised as lasting the whole show. That's what they meant. That, that, that's what they meant when that was going on. So that's cool. But um, as far as the match itself... There were there. Were, I mean, there were things I liked. Like, I mean, Cash Wheeler. Like, you saw the photo of his trunks, his gear after his bloody mess. <laughs> the a red equals green, man. Red equals green. <laughs> uh, the Spanish fly that Guevara did to Sean Spears was cool. Um, the chair shot as well. The chair Damn. shot was yeah, that was dope. I mean, but there were certain things like when they're tearing up the ring, it's in picture in picture. When Jericho yeah. and MJF are climbing the uh, climbing the cage, it's picture in picture. And obviously, we're the, the finish or whatever. Like, we, we know it's a crash pad. Like, Jericho's 50. He's not going to take a bump like that. Like, come on. You know, don't be an idiot. If they had just done, like, the wide shot, okay, they didn't. They shouldn't have zoomed in on it. They, they, yeah. they shouldn't have zoomed in on it. Or if they were going to zoom in, they could have. Remember when Strowman and Lashley went through, like, that black box thing? Mm-hmm. They could have. It could have been that. It could have been that with a crash pad. With the crash pad underneath, and we just Jericho just disappears in the abyss. That would have been that would have been fine. Yeah. So listen, I know everyone has been overanalyzing blood and guts for the last week, week and a half that it happened. Uh, I would just say this: yeah, for the match itself, I enjoyed it. I, I think I really liked just the fighting and everything that went on in the ring. It just shows two teams that hate each other were beating the crap out of each other. I love that. I love how the inner circle came out with like uh prison jumpsuits and on the back, it was spray painted on, I guess the nearest prison from where each of them grew up at, which city that they're from. Yeah. The so, inmates run the asylum. So that was cool. So like they're all on the same page, like almost like they're, that's their uniform we're going into battle. Pinnacle is all cool. They're all wearing like sleek white gear, which made sense. You know, hey, when blood starts pouring, it will really show up on their gear as well. Uh, totally Blanchard on the outside. Uh, but yeah, like I said, they're all beating the crap out of each other. And at one point, they started ripping one of the rings apart and was... Uh, uh, bodies were hitting the wooden planks on the bottom of the ring. I thought that was a cool visual. And, uh, um, like I said, it, it was great. It was unfortunate how, how many picture in pictures or how many commercial breaks they had to go to for this main event. And that really sucked because, like, visually, like, you're, you're getting into it, and all of a sudden they go to commercial picture in picture, and it's a small little picture, and you're, you can't really see big moments in the match taking place there was some big stuff going on during that commercial break and you can barely see it you couldn't hear the commentators because you're in the commercial break you're listening to the commercial audio so i'm like oh man this kind of sucks like i I just kind of wish if they were able to you know work it out in advance maybe get a sponsor and go commercial free which is for for blood and guts I was just about to say that, like how raw they used to be commercial free a couple of times. Yeah. Like, T- like TK, you have the money, man. When you do big things like this, like I don't even, I only th- was there a commercial break for the lights out match? I know it was a shorter match, but maybe like one, right? Mm, like I'm trying to remember now, but 
Yeah, like, I'm with you. It, but like it, when when you have big matches like this, they need to be commercial free. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go commercial free. Maybe before the start of match, say, hey, this hour or the rest of this show is sponsored by X, Y, and Z. Thank you to X, Y, and Z for you know for sponsoring this. Go check them out. Blah blah blah. Whatever you know, copy points you got to read, and then have the graphics shown, and then maybe you know during the match as the match is going on, just you know insert on commentary. Hey, once again, this 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 uh, part of the show is commercial free. Thank you to our sponsors, show and show, so and so, and have their logo in the bottom. Yeah, just have like one big sponsor sponsor the match, and that way it's commercial free. You're not going to miss out any major story points. Because uh, one big story point was at the very end, how MJF and Chris Jericho got on top of the cage. Because I remember they came out picture in picture, and they're up on top. And I was like, wait, what happened? I had to rewatch it, and I saw that was Tully Blanchard, who at one point pushed the ref over, got in, let MJF run out. And then Chris Jericho followed him, and that's what led to the top of the cage. I, I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people didn't realize it was Tully Blanchard. You know, he's the one guy that's out there still on the outside because uh, there's only two entrances. He on the pinnacle side, he pushed the ref, got the key, unlocked it and let MJF escape. Now, <laughs> I mean, one, OK, you to win the match, it's got to be surrender or uh, submission. And so there's no pinfall like NXT's version of War Games. And, the, you know, this War Games, like the old school one, they have a roof on top. So for, for me, it's like, why is MJF running out of the cage? What's the strategy there? And why is Chris Jericho following him? If anything, let his ass run off, shut the cage, and let it be five on four in favor of the inner circle. You know what I mean? And then start beating the crap out of them and try to get one of those guys to surrender themselves. That was one little, like, like why yeah. fo- follow MJF? Who cares if he leaves the cage? He's leaving his team. I under, yeah, I, I get that, but it, it's it's a blood feud. I mean, you, you, you look at, I mean, MJF humiliated Chris Jericho and he decimated yeah. him, you know? Yeah. So that's that's why Jericho... Followed him up to the cage. It's a class. It's a classic babyface thing. Yeah. Has escape. Oh, I'm gonna follow him up there. Yeah. So MGF runs to the top of the cage. Chris Jericho follows him. Um, and it, it was cool. Like they're battling it up there, but it was funny. Like you see Jericho. Like he was almost like uh, uh, MJF was having a submission hold. And Jericho was threatening to tap, but. If you notice, he was holding his fingers like instead of having his hand out and all fingers just stretch out like you're ready to, you know, submit, hit the ground. Like two of his fingers, like his index finger and his thumb, were holding, were were like pinching themselves. And I think he was holding the blade that he was going to use to slice himself open. So it's funny you see him like he's teasing at the idea that he might submit, but you know his pinky, I'm excuse me, his index finger and thumb are together. So I think he was holding the blade. So it's like a weird little hand gesture. So a lot of people were saying, "Oh my god, you can totally see Jericho holding the blade that he's going to eventually use to cut himself." Because uh, then we saw MJF with the ring sock Jericho in the face and then Jericho starts bleeding from his forehead. So um we see at that point uh MJF is has Jericho and he's threatening to throw him off top of the cage and Sammy Guevara runs out. Now here's what I think on paper I enjoyed I enjoy what the story they're trying to tell on paper. The execution is what was frustrating. MJF is threatening to throw Jericho off. Sammy Guevara is like scared. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it. We surrender. We surrender. 
it makes sense because Sammy Guevara is the young, inexperienced member of the inner circle. He's the youngest person. Jericho is the leader, the oldest person. It's like a mentor, almost like a father figure to him. He doesn't want to see you know his friend get hurt. So it makes sense why he was so quick to say, I surrender, we surrender, we surrender. Um, and then MJF being the true heel that he is, you know, says, ha ha, and still thro- got the win and then still throws him off. True heel fashion. I love that part. Uh, and then after he fell and went through the crash pad, you see MJF yelling and he says, thank you. Because thank you as in, because remember he cut the promo a couple weeks ago prior and said, if I win this match, I want to take your spot as the king of AEW, the top of AEW, and I, I will thank you after I, I accomplish that. That's why he said thank you at the end. What I think would have been more impactful is he has Jericho up at the top. Sammy Guevara says, no, no we, we surrender, we surrender. Then you get the camera zoomed in on MJF holding Jericho in front of him and just say to his face, thank you, and then just push him. Have the can and then that you know what I mean? It, visually, it's like Jericho's personally telling Jer. I mean, sorry, MJF is telling Jericho straight to his face, bloody and says thank you, and then pushes him off the top of the cage. That way, I think been more dramatic and really solidify MJF like just taking over from Jericho. Now, yeah, the crash pad stuff. Listen, none of us want to see a fifty year old man <laughs> fall and. And straight into concrete. We all know it's going to be crash pads. WWE uses crash pads all the some, time. Some people want to see it. They're crazy. Those people are idiots. <laughs> but listen, oh, but Philip, we know we we everyone in WWE those big falls, except for Mick Foley in that Hell in the Cell match. Ever since then, they use crash pads. Whether it's under the table, Shane McMahon, everyone's done crash pads. It's just the way it was filmed. That was the issue. Is and plus, they had the big foam, and then he falls through the boards, and you can see it's all just like it wasn't like steel plates; it was like just like stickers on top of like the wood planks. Yeah, man, that's why I said it should have been like that black box thing or whatever that Lashley and Strowman fell through. That would have been cool. But I mean, you with the visual of the thank you and the pushing, baby Huey, a little cinematographer over here. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, okay, and that's the thing; it's like the stage. It, it shouldn't have been like silver or wherever it was because it was trying to look like steel plates. But it really, it should have just been black. Yes, exactly. It should have been just all black as far as the 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 the, the stage, the wood, and then the crash pad under. Because the crash pad under was like that yellow foam. It should have been black as well. Make it all black, one universal color, so you can't really tell the difference of what's real and what's fake. So as soon as Jericho crashes through, it all just blends in together. So anyway. And then, you know, maybe have the crash pad a little bit lower. So when he falls through, you don't see it right away. It's like, you know, it's it's buried down below under all the wood planks. But anyway, um, what they should have done visually as well is like have the camera shot up from down below looking up at the top. You see MJF and Jericho at the top. And then when they put when MJF pushes Jericho cut to a widescreen shot from up above you see him following but you don't see him actually crash because you know we've seen this so many times with Shane McMahon like case in point was it Wrestlemania 35 was it The Miz and Shane McMahon 
and Miz through Shane, or didn't they do a suplex, if I remember correctly, off that yeah, high they, sc- yeah, scrap, the, skyscraper? Yeah, yeah, the scaffolding or whatever. Scaffolding. It fell into like kind of like a black box, but, but there was, yeah, and there was a crash pad because it exploded too much. But yeah, <laughs> but no, but that one. Remember, they it was at WrestleMania. They visually shot up, and you see how high they were to get that dramatic effect. And then when they suplex off the top, it cut to that wide screenshot, and you see the whole crowd and everyone go <gasps> jump up. So A B A E W needs Kevin Dunn. I was gonna say AEW needs a new cinematographer or director of of video. I don't know. It, it's it's simple. I mean, I give WWE credit. They, they they've had a lot more years to uh, direct and film these type of matches, so they're a little more expertise at that stuff. But I mean, hopefully AEW learns from this how to visually film a dramatic event properly without revealing all the tricks. Look, man, I'll I'll give it until like next year. Like if they're still filming stuff like that where you where, and it's immature takes, yeah or not immature uh uh, uh amateur amateur <laughs> amateur yeah like if they're so amateur amateurly filming stuff i'm like all right what are we doing <laughs> what the hell are we doing yeah tony you got all this money you're drafting all these college kids to your football team but you can't pay somebody to film this stuff right yeah yeah, so that like I said, that was the big issue, which is the ending and how to really capitalize on a real dramatic moment. That that's the, the big issue here. So, uh, yeah, we're already seeing the fallout on this week's episode of Dynamite. So let's go ahead and power through this. Uh, yeah, Phil, what are your just overall takeaways uh, from this episode of Dynamite here? It was all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was nothing special. It was cool. We got a title change. And that, that I mean, that's you know, that's uh, that's really it. Yeah, really, no, really love the tag match though. Oh yeah, and we'll, we'll get into all that. Uh, so yeah, no, a couple things is uh, uh, let me get my notes here. Yeah, is <sighs> this episode of Dynamite? What I was, I, I watched it again earlier tonight. I watched it Wednesday live, and I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just not feeling it. But like lately, I feel like I've, I've realized I'm starting to nitpick more things from Dynamite each week. Like Bell to Bell, in ring wise, it's some of the best in ring work in there excuse me best in ring work in there for some of these wrestlers but a lot of the storytelling and the logic and these promos that they're cutting there's so many holes in it and it's starting to get a little frustrating because me as a fan like trying to emotionally stay invested in all this it, it, it's tough like i realize there's some stuff here that i just, I just don't care anymore or i'm not as emotionally caught up in as i once was last year so I wish they would work some of this stuff out. Let's go ahead and like go through some of this. This was the episode I felt like they try to f- squish in way too much in one episode. So much happened in this. There were several matches here that could have easily been main event on other episodes of Dynamite. Like they think they try to overdo it. Um, and now the blood and guts is out in the way. It's like they're, they're like they're trying to hurry up and get ready for double or nothing now. They realize, oh crap, we got three weeks now to double or nothing. This one really like set the groundwork and foundation for the majority of the matches for Double or Nothing. So uh, the opening match though, we saw John Moxley defend the IWGP US Championship against uh, Yuji Nagata. Here, uh, this match was a lot of fun. You know, it was hard hitting. You know, that strong style back and forth. Uh, Moxley comes out to Wild Thing by the Trogs, which bro, was- bro. bro. <laughs> 
I get he was paying homage to Onita. He never yeah. needs to do that again. It I did know not that fit him at all. I know. I was listening. I was like, "What? What's going on here?" It just did not fit him. I did not think it fit him at all. I get it, the tribute as well, but nah. I just it, it did not sound right. <laughs> what on a uh, on a on a side note, I'm gonna need all the clicksters mm-hmm. to, to go to their to go to their devices. Yeah, and I'm going to need you to uh, go to the Bulletcast and. Check out episode 223, Wild Thing. <laughs> there we go. Right on. So I, I like how Nagata was doing a lot of like leg kicks to Moxley. It was very cool. Like I said, hard hitting, a lot of elbows, shots, forearm shots to the face, back and forth. I enjoyed all that, but it was a pretty short match. It wasn't super long. Um, and then afterwards... Uh, Moxley picks up the victory and then, uh, you know, he bows and they're, you know, they, they, they show respect and they rub their foreheads with one another. So cool moment there. But, uh, you know, on, on another sidebar, look, if TK can just float out all this money to get people custom themes, the rest of your roster needs some themes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 No, I'm like, with you. There, like, there's don't some. You, bad... Don't you miss the days where bands did wrestling themes and they were great? Mm hmm. I look, I, look I, I, I've said this on the Bulletcast. They need to go raid all the SmackDown versus Raw games from like 2005 to 2009. A lot of those in, like entrance tracks on there, like those soundtracks. Yeah, swipe those. Give them to some of your wrestlers. There'll be some banger themes. Trust, <laughs> trust me. I know, I know. They don't. They need some new music. Like what they have. A lot of this stuff is way too generic and just doesn't capture or, me. Get me hell. wild up. Get Jim Johnston. He's free. I know. He's looking for work. I know. Get him. Listen, Tony. Go get him. Tony Khan. (laughs) Uh, And then let's see. Uh, All right. Next up, we see uh, Cody Rhodes come out uh, and cuts a promo. (sighs) Um, I'm trying to think how I want to talk about this because, man, this was all over the place. Uh, makes an announcement regarding what he, what he wants to do for double or nothing. He more or less challenges, uh, Anthony Ogogo to a match. <laughs> How he got there though. It's very interesting, man. This promo. I get, I, I, I get why he did it but yeah. for, for the reason for the tagline. I mean, he comes out there, he talks about ideals and our system and the election. And he said, America, he was saying America's great. And I'm like, and my my homie Sir Wilkins from the Jobber Tears podcast, he was like, "Cody blood, blood you got to read the room, you got to read the room." Yeah, like man, like you you should know this already. Get, being being married to an African American, you should know this already. You yeah, know? I was like, you know, the promo was good. The deliver Cody always delivers a good promo. Yeah, I was just like we could have done without certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean by reading the room? Like what what, what were some of the things you think he should have avoided? I mean, not avoided, but like be be more real. Like not just saying America's great. Yeah, it could have been like America at one point in time, or or at different points in history have been great. Not always, you know. Like be like, you know, kind of like a hey, yeah. Like we we know this country has its issues and it's effed up. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like he, he was just it was just a raw 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 speech about America. I mean, given the given the uh, landscape of they're in Jacksonville and they're predominantly Republican or whatever. So mm-hmm. of course they're going to cheer for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, he talked about his baby and somebody took to Twitter and was like, Cody, you'll have black babies. Not going to end racism, bro. <laughs> 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 but yeah, you know, he talked about American ideals and the American dream and he, yeah. and he's going to be, he's going to be the American dream. 
for one night only. And well, you kind of hear the rumor of why he's doing that. He, so for a while now, he's been trying to trademark the American dream, but uh, it got thrown out again, wherever court room, wherever situation he was doing. Apparently, there's not enough evidence to show that he's used that name enough for entertainment purpose. So I think for one night only, he's going to use that as his entrance name, the American dream to show that, Hey, I have used this for entertainment purpose. I used it at the double or nothing pay-per-view. So there's a little more to it. If you go ahead and people, you know, clicksters listening right now, go ahead and research on this. Apparently, like I said, Cody Rhodes was trying to trademark the American dream, but they threw it out because they didn't show enough evidence of him using it for his entertainment purposes. So there's a little more reasoning behind that. So. Um, yeah, the promo itself, I was watching it and I started tone, uh, tuning out a little bit because I felt like he was just kind of rambling on and <laughs> I'm watching, I'm like, Cody, are you cutting a promo for a wrestling match? Or are you running for election? Like it felt too much like a political speech. And I was just like, where are we going with this? Like, I'm not getting fired up for this match. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of really brushed over a go-go, right? I mean, he yeah. talked about an Italian immigrant being world champion for 4,000 days, Bruno San Martino. Talked about Tony Khan's dad. Dad with the bumper, yeah. Coming here and all that other stuff. I So, I mean, he did all that to say there are ideals of the American dream, and that that's why. It was more it was more about the moniker than the match. Yeah, like, okay, like, and all of a sudden, like, he turned this into an America versus a foreign heel like a, a American babyface versus a, a, a foreign heel, like that, that. That's what he's turning this match into, and I'm just kind of like, what? <laughs> like, what? I mean, like, this that, came out that, of nowhere. That kind of stuff always works, though. Well, that's the thing. That's a, and then Vince McMahon has done that for decades. That's been his mo for so long, and everyone likes you know jokes. Oh, Vince McMahon. That's all he ever does. He just turns. You know, any good like foreign wrestler into that foreign heel just so to put because over his American base. Yeah. Every time. Like exactly. Drew McIntyre, just like what, two, three years ago, he was a heel. He was the Scottish psychopath. Yeah. I mean, come on. It works every time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 you know, WWE has used that so many times, but it's just funny how. AEW though they they try to take pride at the, the alternative they're not going to copy what WWE does and now here they are kind of copying a similar type of storyline here of like Cody Rhodes the big American baby face who's going to take on this big foreign heel this guy from from the UK uh, I don't know it just I just felt like it's a little forced like the story didn't necessarily go down that road it just all of a sudden became like this America versus the UK type of thing it just it just seemed kind of just out of left field for me. But the other thing, too, was it was just interesting because he's like saying, Anthony Ogogo, you, you came here for opportunity uh, and America has got you all these great things and, you know, has done all these great things for you. And then he's trying to use that analogy to explain how there's a lot of people who've come to America for opportunities. Like you said, Bruno San Martino, Tony Khan's dad. So he was like really going down on this long list of examples and it was just going on and on. And he was talking about, um, yeah, just how, yeah, the segregation, how that was brought into full. Like, I was like, what's the point of like seg- bringing that up and well, like bring up his baby and everything? Well, that, that was so the segregation line was 
what did he say like 60 years ago segregation where colors and whites weren't allowed to be in the same place and this year I bring in a half African American half white baby that will share or that won't be shunned away from either side of its heritage or whatever so I, 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 it's it was an integration part of the promo. That, but that, I was like, what, what's that have to do with the wrestling match? Like, it, it's all a part of the American dream. <laughs> it's, I guess. it's all wound up into the American dream. It was like a really long winded way, I guess, what America's values are now, or what he thinks are America's values now. Yeah. Like, or it was, it was, it was kind of, it was a history lesson. It was, an, it was about ideals. It was about segregation and integration. It was about America versus a foreign country. How America can be good at some points in times because I mean you compare I mean like given what's been going on recently and over the last like four years like I mean come on like if we speak out of term like in some countries your tongue gets cut off yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean your fingers you lose a couple digits on your hand so I guess he's, so he's trying to say where some of the good aspects that America has evolved into yeah, yeah. all right well it's just it's, but at the same time listen. There's a lot of issues in America right now in the last four years from our previous presidential regime that America is not perfect right now. And I think a lot of other parts of the world look down upon us right now. And so it's just that's why I think I kind of worry that some people will interpret this this promo is a little tone deaf based on what's going on in America right now. And so it just I like I said, it, it just it just seems so odd because, you know, Anthony Gogo put that the UK flag over Cody's body a couple weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, it's turned into America versus an evil UK wrestler now. It just, like I said, it just, it just seems kind of forced out of nowhere. Where, because <laughs> uh, Anthony Gogo, I think, just in one promo, just said one line, just saying like UK was better or something. But he, it's not like that's been his whole MO as a performer in AEW thus far, that he's better than America as a whole. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, I don't know. Like, the storytelling was just off. And Cody, he's really, he's just floating right now. He's he's a he's floating. He's a floater right now. As far as just going from one person to the next. Yeah, I mean, like the Pentagon thing was like a week. I know. Like, I hey, I would love to see that at Double or Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I like I like Anthony Agogo. I, I like him. The kid can go go. But uh, <laughs> but I, I'm like they should have ran that Pentagon thing up until Double or Nothing. Yeah, let me see. I'm just looking here at the website, see anything I miss. So uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Anthony Gogo is a visa courtesy of America. Um, let's see. No, it's not the England dream. Um, oh no, it doesn't have the full speech here. But yeah, it, it's it's just like I said. I just felt it was a very long winded promo to ultimately just set the point that um. You know, it's it's he's the big he, he he's representing America and he's taking on this big foreign heel, and for one night he's going to go by the American dream. That's ultimately what he was trying to say. It was a very long winded promo to get there, and it was just like I think a lot of people. You look online, a lot of people thought it was very cringe worthy and was was taken off, taken yeah, taken off by it. So, um, listen, Cody, amazing speaker, but like I said, his promo just felt more like a, a speech. For a political campaign and then for a wrestling match. And I love Cody Rhodes. You know, he's one of my favorites, but this one would just seem a little off and I was not fully buying it. And so, 
Uh, I, 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 I'm excited for the match, and we'll see what Anthony Gogo does in the next couple of weeks to kind of start building him up, though. He's still very, so fresh on the scene. Like, they got to build him up a lot more to make me kind of believe that he's a threat at all the Cody Rhodes at double or nothing. Because I, 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 there's no way Cody's going to lose. No, yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, next time Cody even tries to attempt these waters, he, he needs to read the room. Yes, exactly. Not uh, once, not once or twice, but three or four, maybe even more. Yeah. Uh, next up, it was SCU taking on the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Um, hey, a really good match. I mean, God, Frankie Zarian and Christopher Daniels are two of the best in-ring workers AEW has to offer. Um, a lot of great spots here. Christopher Daniels. He's one of the best, if not the best, at the moonsault. Am I right? He's so smooth at it. Yeah, and at at his age, to still be able to pull that off, that's a testament to how badass the fallen angel is, man. I mean, like, the the combination of uh, Kazarian and Daniels, that's new for, like, people who uh, haven't been paying attention. But, hey, man, I was rocking with them when they were bad influence in TNA. (laughs) I followed them over to Ring of Honor when they were the addiction. And then, obviously, SCU, the Scorpio Sky in Ring of Honor, and going into uh, AEW. Uh, If this is really the end for them as a tag team in general, one hell of a ride, man. TNA, Ring of Honor, uh, they didn't get to capture the AEW tag titles, but hey, man, I mean, just they did. The, they were the first AEW tag. No, team. it was Scorpio Sky and uh, Frankie Kazarian. Oh, I mean, was that? Yeah, uh, yeah it was Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian. Did they have a freebird role at all for that? One? I can't remember. No, now. no, they didn't. They didn't. Oh, that's right. Christopher Daniels was more like the manager, kind of coming yeah. out. Okay, that's right. That's right. I mean, it, there was blood. They did the "I'm sorry, I love you" super kick spot, which has become. Uh, <laughs> They're mocking it. Oh yeah. Okay. Let me let, let's get into that real quick. So, Young Bucks. I, I okay. This it, it's been what over a month now, a couple months now. They've been like full heels. Um, it took a little while to get there, but now they're really embracing the heel persona as far as just how they act in the ring. They act like immature teenagers or brats in the ring, just mocking everyone and making fun of everyone. What do you think of like where they've been going as heels? Uh, it's it's kind of the stuff they were doing uh, like. On the indies in PWG, <laughs> yeah. being brash, arrogant, obnoxious, they mm-hmm. kind of dress like Seth Rollins. <laughs> Have you know, like with the jackets, like really look at them, man. They kind of dress like. Seth. I thought this was their best looking heelish ring, heelish ring gear to oh, date. You, you weren't messing with the Dior Jordans, bro. What well, well, more of those gray pants? Now the gray silver pants gear. or pants? Now I wasn't into that. This was, I think, their best heel uh, 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 look so far. But yeah, no, I, I, I was just going to say, no, I really I thought this was a much better performance out of them as heels mocking, you know, constantly at the camera and going, eh, you're just making faces and stuff. And um, yeah, what would you think, though, of them? Matt Jackson saying, I'm sorry, I love you. You know, making fun of it, Shawn I mean, Michaels. It, it, it tugs at the heartstrings every time I hear it. <laughs> and you know, it was, it, it's the Bucks. They were they were being cute. That's what they do. You know, you can't really look too far into it. I kind of thought the match was going to be over. I'm like, would they really do that? Yeah. <laughs> they really do that? But no, the BTE trigger got the got the dub. Yeah, but dude, but what happened before that? Nick Jackson super kicked Christopher Daniels into the ring pose, busted his eye, and like he started bleeding from the forehead. So we saw blood and guts last week. This week we get more blood in this tag match. I, it was it was, think, it was hard way though. I, yeah, that wasn't planned at all. No, not at all. But that it, was total it accident. Made, it made the match better. 
Oh, absolutely. So much more dramatic and emotional. But Nick Jackson, after it happened, he looked over and said, oh, my God, what happened to you? And then he started playing it up as the heel, like, oh, my God, you okay? Uh, but, dude, he was bleeding. He was out for a bit, like ringside. And then it turned on two-on-one, uh, the Young Bucks versus Frankie Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian, Kazarian put on a hell of a fight, which is funny because he's, like, all babyface again. But remember, was it last month? He was heelish, taking on... Um, Christian Cage. That's my issue. I say with AEW. One week someone's like a baby face. The following week they're like heel again and back and forth. I mean that's a whole nother issue topic with AEW. But uh, like I said, Frankie Zarin put on hell of a match, and then finally Christopher Daniels came back in for a big save, and he had like one big hot tag to try to you know uh, uh, overcome the odds. Um, they super kicked Frankie Guzari on the outside. Christopher Daniels kicked out. Um, and then they hit the, like you said, the BTE trigger on him and they kept Nick, uh, Frankie Guzari out of the ring. And, uh, yeah, uh, SCU loses. Young Bucks win, retain the championship. I love early in the match as well. Frankie Guzari, I'm not, excuse me, Christopher Daniels was bleeding all over, uh, Matt Jackson's, um, Jordans. So all yeah. the blood on the Jordans, I was like, oh, that was a great visual. And Matt Jackson got pissed and started beating them up. And with those pair of Jordans, you're supposed to wear like black laces or something. So the white, you know, maybe, maybe it was planned for him to bleed then with the white laces. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the plan. But rumor has it that this CD is probably like done and ring in general after this. Yeah. So that's a big question. It's like, what's next for Christopher Daniels? He's also what, 50 years old. So no, he's like 51 or two now. Yeah. So I don't know, man, what's his future is. Uh, I mean, if he can still go like that, I, I put the TNT title on him at some point in time. Or maybe could Just he be to- like a Jerry, was a Jerry uh, Lynn type character? Is it Jerry or Flynn? I keep getting mixed. Jerry, Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn, yes. I was getting his name mixed I mean, he up. works there. He works there too. But <laughs> both of them. <laughs> but I'm saying like maybe he could be behind the scenes like a, a manager or, or, you know, a trainer or something like that. Um, but, but, what I'm pissed is as soon as the match is over, they go to the back and you see Moxley and Eddie Kingston tearing up the Young Bucks locker room and stuff. Yeah, they didn't get the like the proper thank farewell. You, thank you, know? you. Yeah. And like I said, one either this match should have main evented this show or should have been on the pay-per-view for double or nothing because you have this legendary tag team. As you said, they've gone under different names and different promotions. So they've been a tag team off and on for a long time now. For out well, of, well over 10 years now. Yeah. So out of respect for them, they should have had a proper goodbye, a farewell on this episode of Dynamite. Like after the match, they wave to the crowd. They say thank you, something. But no, they didn't. They abruptly ended it. They go to the back. You see Moxley, Eddie Kingston tear up the, the locker room. I did laugh, though, when Moxley's like, I'm going to use the bathroom. And Eddie Kingston's like, yeah, go blow that up. Like, take a big crap in there. But, um, you know, after the commercial break, they showed, like, a video of them leaving the ring together. But, like, you have this legendary tag team that were the foundation of AEW. Like, the, they were one of the first signings for the AEW. 
and you don't give them that respect of like a properly goodbye. I mean, that I felt that was in poor taste. And, and and you have to remember, like that SCU act was hot. Oh yeah, we like saw you, it in APW. Exactly. Like you were like, this is the worst town I've ever been in. Like, come on, man. You got people chanting SCU. that their town sucks. Come, yeah, like, SCU. But it was so over, man. Hey, Daniels Kazarian, thank you for all your years of service, man. Yeah. We'll SCU down the road. Yeah, so I don't know if this is going to lead to another angle. Um, listen, I get it why it didn't maybe happen at the pay-per-view because it looks like it's going to be Moxley and Kingston versus the Young Bucks at the pay-per-view. And no offense to SCU, but those are the two bigger names, so it makes sense for a pay-per-view save that for the pay-per-view but like i said this should have been main eventing the episode of dynamite and then after the match give them a proper goodbye um i wonder if they're gonna get involved some though somehow at double or nothing still the cost maybe the young bucks the titles or something like that that's something to keep track of and then even young bucks you know after afterwards they go back to the locker room and them and the good brothers are looking at the locker room all beat up or all 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 torn apart and Carl Henderson's like this is where we pray <laughs> pray to our Lord I thought that was a pretty funny line but but uh, Young Bucks challenged the Varsity Blondes to a match next week and then challenged Moxley and Kingston to a match of double or nothing so I'm like they quickly forget about SCU they're challenging Varsity Blondes to a match next week and then already challenging to the pay-per-view so I feel bad for Varsity Blondes they're going to be a quick little afterthought as well. You know what I mean? Like they're going to go through them real quick and everyone's going to be focused on the pay-per-view already. So it's something that could get their time to shine as well. Hey man, speaking of the varsity blondes, dude, last week, Max Caster, <laughs> that rap where he was like in 10 years, you guys are going to be on dark side of the ring. Yo, that dude's going to be a star, man. I, Max I Cast, him. I like Max Caster a lot I love as him. well. I love him. No. So like I said, I, I, for SCU and even the stipulation that if they lose again, their, their career was, or their tag team is going to be done. I wish they would have played that up more often in the recent months. I felt like that was such an after, wasn't that December when they announced that? And then it kind of, became quiet and now all of a sudden like, the last couple weeks they brought it up again i was like come on guys that's something they could have really focused on for the last couple months like every time they had a match put the drama like is this going to be their last match or not anyway that's a whole nother story another example of bad storytelling um let's see uh let's see what's up uh uh we saw orange cassidy take on Pac. uh the winner will become the new number one contender for kenny omega double or nothing um this match was really good at first i mean Pac, he always takes his competitors and just throws them in the barricades multiple times uh unfortunately it kind of ended a little early because orange cassidy took a power bomb landed on his head and he looked concussed or knocked out um so they kind of called an audible and don Callis came out and you know said hey uh you know get up come on we need a winner and then kenny omega came from behind hit Pac with the title and both were knocked out and it was a double count out and then tony shivani said oh well hey uh since uh, it's a double count out. Tony Khan's decided it's going to be a triple threat match. So what do you think of how this whole match, how it played out here? Why are people continuously getting knocked unconscious in AEW? Matt I'm- Hardy, Alex Reynolds, Lawrence Cassidy. Look, if I'm like, I don't know, Samoa Joe or Daniel Bryan who have head injuries, I'd be like, oh, I mean, that, that, that'd be a nice paycheck, but people keep getting knocked unconscious over there. Mm. Oh, that's what I forgot to ask you earlier. I'm so sorry. Thank you for reminding me. 
so with the EVPs and their arguments and stuff, um, uh, as I said in the article, so there's a couple, there's a free agent signing, a difference maker that's a little worried about signing with them based on this drama. Who do you think it is? Do you think it's CM Punk? Do you think it's Daniel Bryan? Do you think it's Samoa Joe? Well, Samoa Joe still has like, I don't know, like 79 days or something left on that no compete. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Punk, what do you, I mean, he's the difference maker, but I don't think he cares about like the be, drama like, backstage BS that doesn't involve him. Yeah. Like, he, he's there to do the job, collect a paycheck and go home. Yeah. Daniel Bryan on the other side, I think more of the medical, the medical stuff, like people being unconscious would worry him yeah i mean maybe some of the backstage politics too i don't know but he yeah he's not going to be an evp he's not going to be in on production meetings yeah so yeah who really so, cares so it'd be interesting to see what happens though if uh you know whoever these big free agents signing that's that's scared to sign with them based on this drama so yeah like i said we'll hopefully get more info uh for this match itself though the rumor was it was going to be a count double count out anyway and the triple threat was always on the books to happen uh, but I do give AEW credit in this moment to call the audible and c- come up with this quick finish of Kenny Omega getting involved, knocking out Pac and getting the double count out there. Or excuse me, it's going to be a double DQ or something like a double count out outside the ring or something. So a little scary situation. Hope Orange Cassidy's okay. It was a good match up until that point. Um, I don't know though, but I'm not really feeling Orange Cassidy and Pac in this match against Kenny Omega. I'm like, that's the best. Like number one contender they could come up with, like well, yeah. So wait, hold on. So hold on. Hangman Page lost to Cage, and he went from one to five. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that. I guess that's how that works. Well, then you know, and apparently it looks like Hangman's challenging Brian Cage at double or nothing. So we saw that happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so I guess Hangman, they're keeping him occupied away from the title scene by dropping him to number five in the rankings and, you know, have a rematch against Brian Cage since they had a match recently as well. So I'm just, yeah, I'm not super, like, amped up, like, ooh, this is going to be a great match with those two guys against Kenny Omega. I just feel like they're not main event worthy yet. I mean, Orange Cassidy, I feel like AEW keeps forcing it down our throats as someone important to keep track of, but his style and his persona doesn't gravitate me to like, oh my God, he should be a world champion for this company. You know, he's more of a gimmick comedic wrestler out there. So I don't know. I'm just not super amped up for this main event anyway. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, as I said, Hangman more or less just challenges, uh, Brian Cage for a match at, uh, double or nothing. Um, uh, a couple things real quick I just want to touch on as well. So the coordination of the Pinnacle, they're celebrating their win at Blood and Guts. Uh, Tully Blanchard gives them all watches, and they're all super happy and celebrating. Uh, then we see Inner Circle come pulling up. The three of them, we see uh, Sammy Guevara, um, oh, who's uh, uh, Jake Hager, and then uh, Ortiz come pulling up with the air horn, honking the horn, and you see the back of their like uh, little what, what's it called uh, uh, a golf cart. Uh, you see the things a little bit of bubbly, um, and so they're saying we saw earlier tonight they cut the promo and said. You know, the only reason you won because Santana got arrested because he used a fork. Jericho 
has an injury. It's been reported he has a legit dislocated elbow. And he's out four to six weeks, supposedly. Um, but they want to rematch, and they want to rematch against the inner circle. Excuse me, against the pinnacle and against at double or nothing. Um, how do you think of this whole promo here between the two of them? Uh it, it was fine. I mean, you forgot the most important part. Sean Spears is a wrestler, is a Canadian god. I, I saw so, that too. So in, in in Canada, there are there are uh, three gods we pray to. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, of course. You know, God, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Spears, and the sixth god, Drake. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, it, it was fine. You know, so we're we're we're, we're going to get Pentacle versus Inner Circle. Stadium stampede or whatever after the the bubbly bath. Yes, what do you think, Sammy Guevara? So <laughs> it was funny as Sammy's talking. If you look under him, you see Chris Jericho's head pop up like he's looking, and he puts his head back down. If you look at it again, the footage. <laughs> so Jericho pops up. You see his arm all bandaged up, so he legit is hurt. Uh, but yeah, he said, yeah, they want the rematch, and then they start spraying them with uh, a little bit of the bubbly, very much like Austin with the beer bath on Vince. McMahon and um, uh, Kurt Angle with the milk bath. So what'd you think of that angle of shooting champagne at the pinnacle? Uh, it's whatever. Their, their heels dress nice. Their clothes have to get ruined some. It's like when Orange Cassidy dumped all that tang on Jericho last year. See, that's the thing. That's the thing is like, that was cool, but this one here, it was like, at first I watched it, and I was like, oh, man, they're just doing the same thing Austin did, because Kurt Angle already did it a, a second time. This is the third time we've seen this in the last 20-something years, but then again, like, I'm like, well, that Austin thing was, what, over 20-something years ago, so I guess it's okay to do it again in some capacity, because it's a whole new audience, a whole new generation now, Um like, when do you think enough years has passed where you can maybe repeat or copy certain angles again? Like the good ones. Yeah, man. I mean, it, what's old is new again. Yeah. 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 No, that my, that's my thing, too, which is uh, like, I guess because I grew up, and I saw the original one and I'm like, I see this and I make, I make the immediate comparison to Stone Cold. But then again, I think of someone maybe who's under the age of 25 and they're like, oh, that, that could be the first time that they're seeing this, this version of that type of angle. Uh, but then again, WWE shows that beer bath how many times each year? Like, we've seen that highlight so many times. So it still, like, feels very fresh in my head still. Uh, but then again, it was a good angle. So I guess you can reuse it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I feel like AEW, you guys take pride on being non-WWE. You want to have your alternative, your own your own vision of how wrestling is supposed to be, but I feel like they still kind of copy very similar moments in WWE here in AEW. So I don't know. I, I kind of wish they would do something different, uh, but at the same time, it was still a fun angle, but yeah, I just keep it fresh, kind of keep it, you know, different. Uh, but yeah, so they're going to have a rematch stadium stampede, double or nothing. If uh, inner circle loses, they have to break up for good. So I don't know. Do you think it's going to be 50, 50 booking and uh, inner circle is going to win a double or a, a stadium stampede? Yeah. Inner circle is going to win. Cause what, ha- I mean, Jericho will be fine. It's Chris Jericho. 
Santana and Ortiz haven't been great being with the inner circle, so imagine what's going to happen to them without it. Uh, it's going to really hurt Jake Hager, and I love the guy. And Sammy, he'll be a, he, the kid will be all right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it should be interesting, though. I, I'm looking forward to it. And I think Stadium Stampede, it'll probably be pre-filmed, so it'll be a cinematic match. And then that way Jericho, since he's hurt, they can protect him in that capacity. So I'm all for that. So we can talk more about that as we build towards that. Um, I love Britt Baker's sit-down promo or interview with, with uh, Jim Ross here. I just thought it really sold how much she's improved over the last year and just how she says she has she wants to help the women's division and carry it to the next level. So I love that whole promo there. Um <laughs> well, before I get into the main event, just Jay Cargill, I, I'm still getting annoyed by these promos she cuts. She says she's her own boss, she's her own businesswoman, she's her own bitch, but yet she's taking offers for a manager. If you're if you're in charge of your own career, why have a manager then? Why even feel out offers then? I just I feel this is so stupid. Like, I'm so annoyed by this. You act like you're your own boss, but yet you're interested. Maybe is it just the fact that people are approaching her and she's just listening, but at the end of the day, she doesn't care because she's going to well, do her own thing? Well, you have to look at it. I mean, she she's new. Like, she's only had, like, what, like three matches ever? Mm-hmm. Ever, right? So she thinks she knows this business, but you look at Matt Hardy. I mean, he knows the business. Vicky Guerrero, how many world champions has she managed? A how lot. Many- yeah, you you know, so like, you know, you gotta gotta kind of play your options, like yeah, yeah. So honestly, I would I I'd let her go over with um with Vicky. Yeah, what about Team Taz? That'd be different. Yeah, that that'd be a swerve, bro. I know. <laughs> I mean, also shout out Ricky Starks, wishing him a speedy recovery. Apparently, he has a broken neck, right? He's going to be out yeah. for a bit, for three months or something. So he's, he's got a broken freaking neck. Yeah. I know. So talk to Kurt Angle for some advice on the recover. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this main event here: uh, TNT Championship on the line. Darby Allen taking on Miro. Definitely, I loved the promo before of uh, Darby Allen. That black and white footage of him in Seattle. And just him just like, hey, and after falling down those steps last week from Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, had to reevaluate some things. But then he called out Miro and said, like, dude, when you showed up here, you were playing video games. You were a best man. You, like, you've been underperforming. It's been underwhelming his whole time in AEW so far. So I love how Darby called him out and said how much the TNT championship means to him. I love this whole promo here. Um, and the match itself, it was very much David versus Goliath. Uh, I, what'd you think of Miro's trunks with the TNT championship already embroiled on them? It reminds me of Rick Rude in those IC title tights, baby. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Uh, but dude, great match here, though. I mean, once again, Darby Allen getting his ass handed to him the majority of the match, but Miro looks so good before the bell rang, beating the crap out of him, then telling the ref, ring the bell, ring the bell. Uh, Darby slid out of the ring. You notice he didn't do that because Brody did that to Cody. So he didn't, the ref didn't ring the bell right away. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, in which I, I, you know, I thought the match, the way I thought it kind of should have been the same thing. Like, attack him a little bit, ref rings a bell, boom, Machka kick, accolade, done. We go. Uh. <laughs> like, that ending, and I pictured that ending sequence. Yeah. Like, that, like the, uh, the accolade and how he's bending back. And, and, like, so the way this match would have went, I would have put it on double or nothing for a rematch and done done this. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed this match. I think Miro looked great. This is his best match to date. He was just beating the crap out of Darby Allen. And then Darby Allen had a good comeback at the end. He, he was dishing it to, to everything he had to Miro, but nothing was working. I love how at one point at the end, he looks over at Sting and it's like, he's looking at him for like advice and Sting's like shaking his head and they fist bump each other and he gives it one more, you know, a uh, uh, hard attempt and hits a couple cutters, but Miro still just overpowers him and su- uh, submits him um, and picks up the victory. He's now the new TNT champion, and Miro's celebrating. He's posing over Darby Allen with the title over him. Like, I'm super happy for Miro finally to win a championship and kind of reestablish him as a badass monster. But at the same time, Darby Allen, I really thought with that promo before the match, the video package, and him overcoming the odds, it was like it was a way for him to show that you know he's really unstoppable despite being one of the smaller guys. Um, you know, I was really wow, is Darby gonna overcome the odds and win this one? But it makes sense, like dude, he's beat up. He fell down those steps last week with the busted shoulder. I like how Miro ripped the tape off his shoulder and started hitting this injured shoulder. But he's been defending that title so much the last couple months. So it makes sense. It just, he finally got the best of him. He's burnt out. He's beat up. He's tired. He needs to rest. And, uh, um, it looks like, yeah, Miro's the new champion. And, and, uh, we see Lance Archer come out, point to him. So he's already challenging him. So it looks like Lance Archer versus Miro at double or nothing, if I had to guess. Uh, but we saw Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky come out, attack Sting. So for double or nothing, is it going to be, it might be what Sting, Darby Allen versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as well. So we saw kind of two matches get created for double or nothing right there. Nah, look, what pay per view, what revolution was kind of long. Look, yo, some of those matches can be on dynamite, can be on dark, dark elevation, fight for the fallen in June. I like, I don't give a damn. Don't put that on the pay per view. Yeah, no, you know it, what I mean. It's going to be interesting to see what they do lined up for a double or nothing. But, yeah, they got a lot of matches lined up already. Sheeta versus Britt Baker as well is on the book. So it's going to be interesting, man. So a lot of stuff to to think about and keep track of here. And, yeah, we're excited on the road to double or nothing now. So, uh, like I said, a lot happened in this episode. Some good, some bad. It it did. It did. I want to congratulate Miro, the only person in history to go from being the champion of our country to the champion of America's greatest network. (laughs) Take only, that, only, Cody. Only, only person in it. I mean, Co- Cody was the champion of the continent. So let's not forget. No, that's right. <laughs> it, 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 all right. And so was, so was Mr. Brody Lee. Mm-hmm. Let's let's never forget, you know. But, I mean, still, that's the, that, that's a great accomplishment. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, all right. On that note, let's start wrapping things up. Philip, where can all the clicksters find you online? Oh, you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Heel Antwine, H E E L A N T W I N E. The Bulletcast on Instagram, at Bulletcast on Twitter, the Bulletcast YouTube channel. Uh, I did an interview with Gio Gavano, the GSW Next Gen Champion. Please go check that out. Uh, the only only one year older than I am, and and the, and the guy's making waves. You know, uh, go go check him out for Catalyst GSW's next pay per view event next Saturday on the twenty second. It's only fifteen dollars. Order it. We have a uh, new Open Dream Championship that will be debuting that night. You know, the the next-gen champion will be in action. Hammerstone's our world champion. He's going up against Chris Dickinson. F- Jacob Fatu will be in action. You know, a lot of a lot, he's going up against Michael Elgin. So a lot of a lot of good stuff. And of course, the Women's Championship Cup tournament. You can see Deanna Perrazzo, Kimberly, Trisha Dora, a lot of great names like that 
Also, next weekend, if you live in the Bay Area, Agua at Level Up in San Jose. Tickets are only 30 bucks. I'll be there in person with some of my homies. Uh, yeah, Level Up is a nice little arcade spot. There, there's uh, alcohol, there's food, and there's live wrestling. You know, you get to see Juicy Finale, World's Freshest Tag Team, Starboy Charlie, all, all, all the greats, man. All the greats from the Bay Area wrestling scene. Get out there. Go see it. Please do it. Do it now. Diamonds are forever. So is the microphone messiah. Have a good night, everybody. All right. And I'm Baby Huey. Follow me on Facebook at Baby Huey Official, Twitter and Instagram at Baby Huey 83. Like I said, top of the show, subscribe to In The Click on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, follow us at In The Click, in the click at gmail.com. Get the merch as well. And yeah, please rate, comment, share the podcast. That always helps out. And please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, I know we're getting a lot of new subscribers lately. So thank you for, for doing so. Let's just keep getting those numbers higher and higher. And uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Make sure to listen to our next episode. will be our WrestleMania Backlash review. So much to talk about. If you have a chance, go back a couple episodes, listen to my interview with Drew McIntyre, also Jerry Lawler, Alexa Bliss, a lot of good stuff there. So uh, as always, thank you for the support. And on that note, let's go home. And that's the bottom line because Huey said so.